Jesus will work through us, not for us. God so loved the world. Imagine if Christianity was God loves you. That's it. We just gathered here today to, to, to say that God loves everyone. You could go. I went into Uganda. I went up a hill in Kampala to the Baha'i Church, which is a full, huge church of nothing, because that's what they say. There's no one way, and God loves everyone. God so loved the world, says John 3.16, that he sent his son, so that his son, who revealed himself in human form, walked on this earth, who could be touched and seen and heard, and historically measured, as it were. Because he said, my creation and the people that I create need tangible evidence of me. That's why he said to Adam in the garden, you can't just have me and you. You need somebody with you, which is Eve. You need some physical presence. Human beings need tangible evidence, relationships around them that declare who God is and his presence. Why is this important? Because we're way too abstract. And abstraction never moves us. Just telling you God loves you doesn't move you. Beginning to say, I know God loves me because of what he did through Jesus. And when I go to university and I study history, Jesus is mentioned as a historical figure. And then I go to Jerusalem and I have done both of these things. And I go to the areas where Jesus claimed to walk and I see the evidence of his presence by the buildings and the people around and say, this actually happened. And I start to accumulate evidence around the scriptures and how they came together and how people's lives are changed. And then I, I, I start researching and looking into my own heart and life and it makes sense. And I go, there is a God and he loves and this one who is a Jesus is real. And then they start edging out and saying they're gifts of God's spirit and his spirit was breathed and he works today and he heals the sick. And I go, no. But I'm compelled by the evidence and compelled by the testimony of others to eventually say, John, the only reason you're saying no is because you're scared. And it gets desperate and desperate to the point of eventually I go, you know what? I believe maybe it's possible. And then you risk and you start praying and you risk and you start speaking a funny language and you risk and you start doing the non-intellectual things which you can actually argue for intellectually until it means jump because you can't tell somebody. You can describe jumping off a bungee, for instance, but you can't really. There's a point where it's the leap of faith. And everything that brings life with God ends up being a leap of faith. You can have an incredibly well-informed Christianity with no life in it whatsoever because you've never risked. And if you never risk, you never pulsate. And so people look at you and say, you're full of theory. But if you jump, you're full of life. There's an adrenaline rush and you go, I know. Then people say, hey, I like what, there's something in you that I want. You're alive in some way. doesn't make sense. It scares me, but you're alive. That's what people are hungering for in our culture. And so we say, Lord, I pray that you bring them to life. And he says, so do I. What's the answer? You. You're the answer to 75% of the prayers you're praying. And you're the answer to 100% of the prayers of the people around you. You're FedEx. You're the packaging that God's Spirit releases his answers into the lives of those around you. God answers through people. This is meant to be good news. 
Where it's not good news is where I just want to be absent. You see, there is, what's the battle? The battle is who is in charge and who is Lord. And if I can say, Lord, you, I pray that you do all this and this is a terrible Christian country and it's all their fault, then I can pray and still do exactly what I want to do, but I feel spiritual. I'm just totally useless. I'm, I, I, I'm like, I'm like a, a soldier that has a pop gun. I'm harmless. I don't do anything. I just make a noise. But when I begin to realize that God is Lord and He says, I want to use you, that means... I have some kind of responsibility and openness to him and then need to do something. And that calls into account how I spend my time and my money and what I do with my life. It gets personal. In Genesis 17, I'm not going to go through these in any detail. I'm just naming them. Genesis 17, God said to Abraham, I'm going to populate the earth through you and Sarah. Both of them laughed because they were old, retired and ready to croak. And God said, guess what? She's going to be pregnant. And he goes, what? Well, I'm God. Well, I'm Abraham. Yeah, well, (laughs) watch and see. And they have children. Long after they had sent, you know, put uh, the, the cots and the cribs and the diapers on eBay. God, through Abraham, God could have just created population. But through Abraham and Sarah, he releases a population. And this principle is everywhere. Through Noah built the ark to to save some people. Every story in Scripture, um, his people who were slaves in, in, in Egypt, he could have sent plagues without Moses being there. He could have actually sent angel of death and killed the whole Egyptian nation and said, off you go, boys, girls, let's go to the promised land. But he called Moses and he revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush. And Moses went, whoa, 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 I'm no use. What do you mean use me? I would stutter and I am old and I, I, I've been here for 40 years and I'm not going back to that place because that's the place I ran from. And God says, I'll be with you. Chill out. And eventually Moses goes back into that land and God in him does signs and wonders to the point where Pharaoh says that Moses was like a God to him. And he set his people free through Moses and Moses led the people out. And then they wandered around and they went into the promised land through Joshua led them. There's always someone, there are always people that God is using to work out his purposes on earth as in heaven. Then he had David, that little shepherd boy who became a king. David led the people and made the people of Israel. Always people. There are lots of people we could go through. I'm just trying to make a point. There's always people. He always works through people. He always answers prayers through people. And then God sends Jesus. And who does he use? He has an angel appear. He uses Joseph. He uses Mary. He uses Elizabeth, who gave birth to John the Baptist. John the Baptist announces the birth of Jesus. John the Baptist doesn't get his head cut off. Jesus carries on in ministry. Visible aids of people who work God works through in order to express His purposes for the world and for humanity and His power resident in people is amazing. And Jesus starts, what does He do? He gets baptized, He starts His ministry and He calls disciples. Why? You go to some churches and you think all Jesus did was come and say, God is real, die on the cross and now my sins are forgiven. Have a nice life. When you're dead, you'll have heaven. 
Many, many parts of the world teach that. That's pretty much Christianity. It's most depressing. And what God is clearly saying, I believe, is the cross is the beginning of life, not the end of life. The cross is the place where heaven comes to earth. Forgiveness is possible so that your life can be changed on earth as in heaven so that you can begin to live in the way that God created you to live now. It's never going to be perfect. It's going to be a lot better than it was before. And Jesus gathered disciples. And Jesus gathered disciples to impart to them passion for God, the reality of the Father, and ultimately, when He was crucified, dead, and resurrected, to receive the Spirit, the same Spirit that empowered Jesus, to empower them to go out and to really rescue fallen humanity because of what had been released through the cross, the forgiveness of sins, and the power to live in a place that was broken, in a manner that was transcendent, like Judy. That in the midst of death, you still smile and say, praise God. Why? Because my son is released to him. It is painful, but it is not the end. And that is remarkable. Christianity has nothing whatsoever to do with the great debates you can have and the great songs you can sing. Those are sweet, but they don't cut it when it comes to life. We are not trying to advocate you come into church and sing some songs so you can feel good and then you go out into the rain and God help you. No. We come in here wet, dripping, and we say God is present in the rain and God is present in the sun and God is present in sickness and God is present in death and God is present in life. And we're no longer trying to run away from life, but we're saying, Jesus, thank you that you're with me in the midst of it. And so Jesus called his disciples and then he sent them out. He said, now, go and be like I am in the world so that other people can see that God is real. The Father loves them and there is power in my name. You are the answer to your own prayers in many instances. And what does that mean? It means you've got to engage. It means you have to stand up and step into what you say you believe. It means you have to ask others to help you. It means you have to reach out to others and help them. Many of us live stuck in misery because we're sitting there saying, Oh God, please, 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 please. I'm going to show you a video in a minute, I think, if it's ready. Is it ready or is it not ready? Just wait one minute. All right, let's, let's show the video and then we'll... Is it, are you okay with that? Are you okay to show the video?
And those are basically uh, two ways to live. The way of, I can't do it if, you can turn the lights on please. I can't do it if or unless, and it's just excuse after excuse after excuse. But God doesn't actually call you or I to do anything other than to let Him love us, and out of that relationship, everything else will flow. And so when Jesus spoke to His disciples in John 15, and He says, I am the vine, you are the branches, He uses the word remain seven times. Remain in me, remain in me. Remain in me, you could actually take and say, dance with me, the song we sang. Dance with me. Let me love you. And I'm not talking, you see, about sentimental love. I've been, I've been around the block myself and I've counseled a lot of people. And the issue at the end of the day is, do I feel loved and who am I? And when you've settled and you begin to settle those questions, you come alive. And if you don't settle those questions, you will not come alive. You will, you will stay on the edges. You will never enter into worship. You will never serve the Lord. You will never touch people's lives. You will keep them company in their misery. And some people will call you kind. But you will never be used by God to see transformation. Because you've always been too proud and stubborn to let Him love you. You've got too many ifs and buts. And he looks at each of us and he says, I just want you to know one thing and I want you to settle it right now. And that is, I love you and I've laid down my life for you, whether you like it or not. I didn't ask your opinion. I just think you're worth something. And I've just declared that over you, whether you like it or not. Now, you can spend the rest of your life arguing with me or you could just come and have a dance and we can settle this in your heart. Because if I was God, I'd chop your head off. So it's getting in the way. But I want to use you. I want to use you in the lives of people around you. I want to use you in your family. I want to use you in this world because this world is very lost. We live in a culture, in a community in, in Port Alberni that is drug addicted completely. It's, 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 it's one of the reasons it's, it's on the statistics in Canada. Port Alberni used to be one of the most well-paid, well-heeled populations in Canada. Now it's fetal alcohol... Single mothers, drug addiction. And it's got seven or eight, nine, ten, twelve Christian churches. Apparently there's no answer. Well, we know there is. But who is he going to use? He's going to use you and me. But I'm not going to be useful if I don't actually think it's useful. If Jesus isn't relevant to me, I'm not going to think he's going to be relevant to anyone else. If Jesus doesn't really rock my boat and cause me to be passionate, I'm going to accept the fact it's just a matter of opinion. But if Jesus has saved me from death and has forgiven me of sin, and I know that, and He has rescued me and He has transformed me and He's working in my heart, I'm going to look at you and say, you need Jesus. How I do it will vary. The presentation will vary. But at the end of the day, I say, you know, you can play any game, you can work as hard as you like, you can do all the sports you like, but you'll never find the heartbeat that is God that makes you come alive. I'd love to walk alongside you and introduce you to my friend, because he's my friend. And he loves you. And he doesn't just love you, he likes you. Are you sick? Why, can, do you mind if I just pray? 
what, what are you going to do to me? I'm just going to put my hand on your head and say, Jesus, just bless my friend. Because he doesn't have hands. But if he was there, he would say, I'd love to do that. But I need to teach you how to do that. How many of you would like to see more healing? How many of you would like to see more wisdom? How many would like to see more love in the world? Well, then carry the love of Jesus to others. Release it. I'm a little nervous. Then be nervous and learn how to release it. Why is it that I say, I want to be an architect and I go to university to learn to be an architect. I want to be a ballerina. I go to dancing school to learn to be a ballerina. I want to be an on-fire Christian and I just stay in my room and say, Lord, I want to be on fire. Nothing ever happens. Or I study a lot and then I'm just a really painful Christian (laughs) with lots of information and no power or presence because it actually hasn't touched me. And you know what was such, it's probably the greatest compliment I've ever received corporately is is the response of those who visited here this week. They sense the Spirit of God and the love of God in you. And I said, I don't have to do anything. I just say people are coming and they cater and they do everything. It's wonderful. It's true. There's a hospitality and a generosity, but God wants more. He says to to some of us, don't just bake cakes. I want you to minister healing. And you go, well, I'm not very good at that, so I just like to bake the cakes. And I go, no, you're insecure. You're unbelieving. You're hiding behind the cookies. (laughs) Or the music. Or the busyness. Or whatever it is you're hiding behind. Take yourself with a sense of humor. We're all incomplete. We're all nervous. We're all a little unbelieving. So what? So what? Be unbelieving. In Parksville, we did this, you know, anybody's got anything, stand up. And, and, and one guy called Bill Tambling, who some of you will remember because he used to come to this church years ago. We were praying for healing. He's standing next to a woman called Lynn who's got a sore knee, quite a sore knee actually. She, it was quite bad. And he prayed for I said, just pray for them. Just pray blessing and pray healing. Prayed healing and she comes walking up to the front and said, that knee is actually better. Bill prayed for her. Bill didn't even believe it was happened. But you know what? You only need the faith of a mustard seed. And what's the faith of a mustard seed? The faith of a mustard seed is, well, I'll do it anyway. And God says, I just needed a hand. I didn't need your head. I didn't need your understanding. I didn't even need your buy-in. I just wanted your hand. Now I'll get your attention. See, that's what he does. He likes you. He loves you and he loves the other person. So he will use you just because he wants to bless the other person. Then he'll catch up with you later. We just create an environment where we, have the, we take risks in order to know in our hearts what we can't know in our heads. God will not do anything for you. He's already done what He's done, doing for us. He will do everything through us. And He's crying out to you and to me and said, I want to use you more. Will you let me? And will you risk? And will you be humble? And will you say you don't know? And just say, but I'll try anyway. And He says, I'd love to just... Flood my, my, my spirit through you. Would you like that? So a few of you. If you'd like that, stand up. If the others of you have got the guts to stay sitting, sit down. I dare you to sit down. That's a different kind of uh, call, isn't it? I dare you to stay sitting. Yeah, I'd really respect it, but then I'd ask God to send fire on you and just say, so Lord, touch them with fire. Now, he loves you whether you're standing or sitting, because I know some of you can't stand, but be healed.
You know, really, all of this is about is saying, Jesus, I want to be the answer. You know, when, when the people prayed in Acts, uh, God could have sent angels for Cornelius, but he used Peter and he used dreams and things. He could have used an angel to heal Paul when he was struck blind, when he was named as Saul, and he sent Ananias. And Ananias must have been absolute. Do you want an assignment? That's one that you don't want. Go and lay hands on Saul. who was like, go and lay hands on Idi Amin or Hitler and pray for their healing. But God says, you know, I will be with you. And you can live your life of just self-centered and say, oh God, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Or say, God, I'm not ready, but you are, and I want some adventure because I want this Christian life to kick in at a level that is exciting rather than boring. One person, amen, there we go. We only need one. And I want to be somebody who, who sees things happen. And all you have to do is say, Lord, help. I will love people and respect them. That's really important. And then I'm available. And some, for some of us, he's going to say, well, if you're available, I want to train you up. So you need to show up to some things so you can become trained. Because I'm not going to let, a, let loose lone wolves because they bite and tear apart people in my name. I don't like that. Their insecurities bleed out and then they hurt people. So the humble thing is, I will say this and I say this all the time. God will use us as to the degree that we belong together, are committed to a body, and are humble before one another so that he can refine us in order to flow through us. So you just open your heart and say, you know, God, I'm not finished yet. I know that. And I know there are things that are incomplete in me, but I'd love to be used. I'd love to be an answer to prayer. I'd love to be an answer to prayer both in my own life, but I'd love to be an answer to prayer in the lives of others around me. And so I just ask you to use me more than you've ever used me before. And of course he says yes to that. I mean, he loved it. He's been waiting all your life for that. At last, he said. And I promise I won't pull that prayer back. Now let him embrace you. He actually probably, he's, he's tickling you right now. I, I know this sounds weird, but he really is going, you don't have any idea what fun this will be. I don't want you to be serious. I don't want you to be intense. I don't want you to wear the weight of the stuff on you. I'm going to flow through you with your personality, absolutely. And you're going to feel shy and you're going to feel inadequate and you're going to feel nervous and you're going to feel afraid. So I want you to stop praying that I will take that away because that's part of what you have to break through. That's called faith rising. So I want you to begin to accept the cost of taking risks and I want to be, you to begin to accept the cost of serving me and that is you will experience those things, but they won't last forever. You will have the experience that I had today of giving out this funny phrase about somebody's twitching in the face and then three days later somebody comes up and says, that was me. How good goodness me. Thank you, Jesus. So guess what? My faith rises. And I, and I walk up and down here and say, Lord, do you have any other words? And I, I, I have this thing of somebody's got some pain in the neck and it's not you, John. And uh, 